I am a whole being. I'm not just a nurse. I'm not just a daughter. I'm a whole being and I love myself. And because I love myself, I'm going to take care of myself because that in turn helps me to take care of other people. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Bain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Hey, it's Carly, and I'm going to take a beat right here before we even begin this episode to acknowledge the fact that you're here in this conversation with me during such unprecedented times. I know you are being asked to rise to the occasion, to handle sudden changes, and somehow still find a way onward, even in so much uncertainty. And my motto has always been this, to rise, we must root. In other words, it takes some nourishment and community on a regular day to navigate growth, so it might take a little extra right now. So I am so glad that you are rooting here with me today. And I also just want to point out that if doing some self-care or having a plan for your life and career was challenging enough before, my goodness, it might take some ninja level skills to get what you need right now. So reach out to me. Go to carlyfane.com, click the start here button and apply for a one-time phone session. And if I know I can help you, I will. Or if there's some other free resource or another practitioner that I can refer you to right now, you better believe I'm going to point you in the right direction. We are in this together. I am holding you in my heart and my mind. Let me know what you need. I've got your back. Hey, it's Carly. So I was in a large retreat center a couple years ago, and there was a famous quote on the wall as I walked into the building from a spiritual teacher and leader that I really respect and admire. And the quote said something like this, I'm going to paraphrase, the gist of it was the highest good you can do is to lose yourself in service to others. And I'll be honest, when I saw that quote, I thought, are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) Like it's 2018. That's what it was at the time. Are we still going to put in a center that caters mostly to women a quote that tells them that their purpose is to lose track of themselves in some never ending quest to serve others? Ugh, this is the kind of messaging that we have absorbed from a young age that has caused many of us to be plenty busy, taking care of everyone else, but with the sense of being lost or depleted or unwell, or just not able to do our best work in the world. Because as my guest today explains, we have become what she calls dry sponges and that we have become used up and discarded by the end of the day. Now, this past week, I shared something out loud that not very many people might know. I pivoted my business a few years ago to start focusing from all these high-profile celebrities to working with really career-driven women for one very specific reason. See, 
I believe that we as a humanity have the possibility of rising to an even better place. And I know that women, when they are in a place of power, they use their power and their resources for good on the planet. We all know that because we know women that do that, but there's actually a lot of research out there that that backs up that messaging. And so I've decided to focus on working with these really driven women because when you thrive, we all thrive. But I noticed something early on when I made this pivot, which is that it was really hard for women to invest in a coach for themselves, for many women. And that felt like to them, like it was a really nice thing to do. Of course, they wanted to, but they didn't see themselves thriving as being particularly essential, certainly not important enough to invest in themselves in this way. However, I noticed that because it's normal to invest in our careers or continuing education or professional trainings, it was much easier for women to hire me if I was teaching about things related to business. Fascinating, right? So while they weren't necessarily all eager to hire me to coach about what they really cared about, they were eager to hire me to coach about business or professional development. That was a place where it was more normal for a woman to invest in herself. Fascinating. And part of me wonders, you know, where the heck did we learn that our own well-being, that the things we desire or value are just kind of nice, right? Now, we did a whole episode on this with Dr. Valerie Rain, where we talked about the patriarchy stress disorder and the ways we have been conditioned to get in the way of our own personal development, our own growth. I'll put a link to that. I think it was episode, I want to say 22, but I'll put a link in the show notes. But I want to say this, having dedicated my career to finding a way that works for me and now helping each of my clients do the exact same thing so that none of us have to be burned out in order to do the work we're meant to do, it allows me this really unique opportunity to see firsthand the sabotaging personal beliefs and cultural norms that we all have to work through or else we will be a business in personal liquidation. As in, we will inadvertently sacrifice our energy, our time, our resources into a bottomless pit and still never quite feel like we're getting to what we care about. So just in case you have not had, like many of us, a way of working and being in the world modeled for you, where you get to do well at the same time your career does well, (laughs) where being energized or alive or fulfilled at the same time that you're having a career or a family life that you care about hasn't been shown to you as the norm, I'm here to say, oh, heck yeah, it's possible. (laughs) It's entirely possible. And I want to do more than just talk about the typical research and data and stats that I love to share with you today, I'm going to show you exactly what that looks like. So I invited one of my clients, Siobhan Boyer, who is a nurse, to come be in conversation with me today. Now, Siobhan has been a nurse for over 15 years, but it was years ago that she realized that the medical establishment was treating its staff like they are disposable. Her own body and spirit were falling apart, yet she loved the practice of nursing. She didn't want to quit on that. She knew that it's what she wanted to do, but she just couldn't sustain it. So she set out to see if there was a way to continue being a nurse and caring for others while she also thrived. 
Crazy, right? (laughs) Now, these days, she travels the world as a travel nurse. She has more free time and energy than ever before. But what I really appreciate about Siobhan is that she knows that it wasn't magic that allowed her to start being nursed at the same time she was taking care of other people. It was these very simple, pragmatic, doable steps that she made that she shares on today's episode. Now, here's the thing. If taking care of ourselves and taking care certainly of our essential workers out there in the world who are on the front lines wasn't important enough before, well, Siobhan shares some real talk about what it's like working on a COVID-19 floor right now without proper PPE and how that's putting her in a place of having to get really clear yet again about what she values and how she can stay loyal to that. So as she's facing real danger at work, you're going to get to hear how a woman in real time is deciding upon what she will and won't do. She is amazing. And Siobhan really reminds me that there is not a one-size-fits-all method for how we, quote, should work or a perfect way to be doing our jobs or to be a first responder right now. Rather, she shows us that more importantly than doing things perfectly or doing them right is doing things in a way that is both true and sustainable. This is how she holds everyone, including herself and her patients, in high positive regard. So before I jump into my interview here with Siobhan, I want to give a quick shout out because you know that's my favorite thing to do on on these episodes. And today I'm going to shout out somebody really special. I come from a family of nurses. So I've got a sister who's a nurse. My mother trained to be a nurse. My grandmother was a nurse for her entire career. And I want to give a special shout out to my sister, Kaylin, who is a cardiac specialist nurse in Philadelphia. She is on the front lines like so many of you are. Now, some of us are on the front lines being called to have to be first responders, and there are the rest of us who want to be supporting the people on the front lines and maybe are looking for an idea for what to do. And so I'm giving a second shout out to Abby. Abby is a young woman in Massachusetts who, when her high school was closed for C-19, she decided to rally her friends and create what they're calling Meals and Messages. This is a fundraiser that they are doing so that they can have meals from local restaurants sent to the medical staff at her local hospital along with messages from these high school students expressing their support and gratitude for all those being asked to step up and care for others. So whether you're on the front lines or you're looking for a way to support the people on the front lines, I encourage you, should you have an idea, to dare to explore it, to dare to talk to other people that might support you. And I'm going to include a link to meals and messages in the show notes that if you want to be inspired by Abby and the work they're doing in Western Massachusetts, or hey, get involved and support them, that you can do that. Or just hop on over to GoFundMe and look up Meals and Messages, and you will find the work that they are doing over there. This is what I'm talking about. Women love to help other people rise. And with no further ado, here is my interview with Siobhan Boyer. Siobhan, thank you so much for being here in this really important and experience especially timely conversation today about your journey as a nurse and this transformation that you've experienced. I I appreciate you being here. Thank you. 
Thank you for having me and you're welcome. Let's rewind. We're going to go back years ago because I've actually had the pleasure of knowing Siobhan for years now. And the work we've done on and off has been so different over the years. You've had all these different, you know, projects over the years. And I, as I was going through our old notes, I was kind of blown away by, oh my gosh, this is how it all began. So take it from the beginning. Can you remember, how did we first connect? Why did you reach out? Well, I wanted um, help with my eating disorder and I was searching for a way how to beat it. And I was on Lil Wayne's website and I saw a story about you and that's how I got connected with you. (laughs) I love that. Hey, Wayne, thank you. I appreciate it. A lot of people don't know that I worked in with Wayne for years, lived on the tour buses for many a tour. It feels like a whole different Mm -hmm. lifetime that I had. So I love that that connection mm-hmm. brought us together. So thanks, Wayne. Appreciate yeah. you. Okay. So you found about me about me on Little Wayne's website. Tell me a little bit about this nature when you say eating disorder. How was that showing mm-hmm. up for you? Ooh, um, I had headaches, stinging tears, fatigue. I would limit myself to eating certain foods every day until I lost the weight. And then I would go on like a binge fest of eating whatever I wanted, Mm -hmm. then gaining all the weight back and more and that up and down. And I was I was so tired of it. (laughs) So you're kind of just on this roller coaster, this up, down, up, down thing. And you're and you're tired of it. I remember and I'd be really curious to hear what you remember about our first session. You were you were bringing that up. You said, here's what needs to happen. I need to Mm -hmm. lose some weight. This is what I'm looking for. And it was within our first or second session when I think you began to have this aha, and I'd love to hear you share this story. You thought the weight was the issue, but it turned out the weight was actually a symptom of something else that was going on below the surface, Mm -hmm. right? We thought the weight was the thing, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is the thing, because what was your belief? Your belief was if I weighed less, then what? Then what what did you think was going to happen? Then I could be a travel nurse. Then I could conquer the world. (laughs) My weight was the thing that was holding me back. (laughs) Okay. So why are you laughing about that now? Like why in hindsight is that funny? Because it wasn't the weight at all. (laughs) It was so much more than the weight. It was, I wasn't putting myself first. I was putting my patients first above myself, not seeing myself as worthy enough of being worthy to take care of myself. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Where do you think this idea that your patients needed to come first came from? That like at your own expense, even that you would prioritize what they needed. Where do you think that came from? I think it started in nursing school, the way they teach you. It kind of um, subconsciously puts in you that the patient's needs come before you. So you need to work hard. And even if that means giving up your lunch break, giving up your bathroom break, giving up drinking any water all day, that's what's needed because you're second. The patient is always first. So I could see how that kind of messaging could lead you to be in exactly that situation. So what what was happening at work? Like how was that showing up in on the job? This idea that you're second and that somebody else needs to come before you. How was that showing up? Yeah. Going twelve hours without a bathroom break, going twelve hours or more without eating. Sometimes staying after making a 16-hour shift, still not drinking or eating anything, being so tired, 
I couldn't even make it home. I had to get a hotel room. That's spending more money. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All of that combined feel, making me feel like I would describe it like a, a dry sponge by the end of mm. the shift because I hadn't drinking anything the whole shift. That's a, that's a powerful metaphor. This, I felt like a dry sponge, right? Mm-hmm. I felt like a dry sponge. I, I, cause I think about how a sponge is really useful. Like I use it in the kitchen. It's really useful. You know, it gets my pots mm-hmm. clean. So I wipe the counter with a mm-hmm. sponge and here yeah. you are being used up. Mm-hmm. You're being used up. Yeah. So your body in its infinite wisdom is kind of like raising its hand <laughs> metaphorically and saying, Hey, excuse me, <laughs> this isn't working for me. So, you know, the weight was one thing that caught your attention. What else was your body doing that was causing you to really notice, okay, something's up here. There's something about this isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. It was really the stinging tears that I would get driving home that really scared me because it would get to the point where I couldn't see and I would have to pull over. I had an hour long drive and that really scared me because I thought I was going to get into an accident and maybe hurt someone else. Even in that scenario, I wasn't worried about myself. I was worried about (laughs) causing... (laughs) Look at this! (laughs) I know. I was worried about causing an accident and hurting someone else. And that got my attention. I thought I was coming down with diabetes. Turned out it was just dehydration because I wasn't drinking anything. And that... That's really what got my attention. So what a fascinating symptom. I've never heard somebody else say it was the stinging in my eyes Mm -hmm. that got me to like pay attention. But I will say this, every high achieving client that I have ever worked with presents Mm -hmm. with some type of perplexing health symptom. Every single one, whether it's headaches, migraines, fatigue, digestive issues, weight fluctuations, there's always something, you know, that our body's doing to hold us accountable to what's Mm -hmm. true and what it actually needs. And so I'm so curious, what, how do you even begin then? Like if you're in a place and I I just, I so love your story because it's unique to you, but I also find it really relatable that you're in a place where your mindset is, even when your eyes are stinging so bad, you can't drive, you're still defaulting to, I need to take care of other people here, right? Like this is an issue because it could harm other people. So like, where did you even begin to make a shift? Like what was the first small step into you having a little bit more of what you actually needed? First small step was just drinking water. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that sounds way too easy. So you're telling me that your whole life started to change when you started to drink more water? (laughs) It actually did. <laughs> so let's talk about that for a second. You're, you're in a position as a nurse where there's not even time or you, you thought before that there wasn't time to drink water. So mm-hmm. how did you suddenly have time to start drinking more water? Well, what happened was when I was getting the patients their water, I would just get a cup and drink my water first and then get their water. And that actually helped because I get them water so many times a day. It helped me get a lot of water. <laughs> okay, I, I love this because what you're talking about is you linked an existing behavior to something new that you wanted to create, which in terms of creating new habits is one thing that has been proven statistically to be really effective. If we can link a new habit to an existing one, then we're mm-hmm. reminded of it and we're more likely to live into it. In fact, you and I were just talking about, you know, Deepak Chopra, when people ask him, how do I start meditating? 
He has the acronym PMS, meaning you wake up in the morning, so you pee, you meditate for a few minutes, and then you shower because you were going to pee and shower anyway. And so you just yeah. like slip it in right there. So there you are, right? You're, you're drinking your cup of water because you're going to be reminded of it because you're giving other people water throughout the day. So what starts to happen when you drink more water? I don't feel like a dry sponge by the end of the shift. The stinging tears went away because I had enough water in my body. The headaches went away. I could drive home. I didn't have to get a hotel room (laughs) and spend more money. I had got a bathroom break because I was drinking water. (laughs) So you're actually getting extra breaks now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I started feeling like a human being. (laughs) Well, that's a really powerful statement. Does that mean that you didn't feel like a human being before this? I think so, because I put my patient's needs above my own and I didn't see myself as worthy of being taken care of. Just the act of getting that water and taking care of myself helped me see myself as worthy of being taken care of. Mm, that's a powerful shift. So like, how is that rippled out these days? What's your, what's your relationship with food like these days? Oh my gosh, it's so much better. <laughs> how so? What's it like? My food is my fuel. It helps helps me get my energy. It helps with my mood. It helps me to be able to go after my goals and my dreams. It's it's like it's my foundation. (laughs) Oh, that that feels to me like the perfect word, right? It is just foundational. And like, and so here it was, it's like, I think sometimes when something is hard or tricky or challenging, we can accidentally overcomplicate it feeling like, well, then I need to make some massive shift. And you actually just re, like you went back to basics with water and food. Like there was nothing fancy or complicated here. And I remember you telling me, I'd be so curious because I don't know the answer to this question. One of our first sessions, Siobhan said, I know I need to eat better, but Carly, I don't cook. I'm not going to start cooking. So I need, I need to eat better, but I'm not going to cook. Just so you know, right? <laughs> Have you become some like big fancy chef these days? Are you making all these complicated meals? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I cooked twice in the past year. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing it? Because you're still a nurse, right? Like you still have yeah. a full life. So so how are how have you made these food upgrades without having to become some like super chef? What I do is the first of the week I get all my food together and just portion it out for the week. And that has helped me tremendously. I'm eating a lot of raw vegetables, which <laughs> never in my life would I thought I would have said that. Because <laughs> <laughs> what were you always... eating before? Yeah, like what were you living off of before? Cake, Lunchables, donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Krispy Kreme was my <laughs> was my best friend back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! And now I'm. I love eating my raw spinach. That is like my staple. I love it. Never in my life I thought I would have said that. <laughs> <laughs> but my relationship has has grown. Like even though I love my vegetables, yes, I still do eat my cake from time to time because of course I love it. <laughs> I just don't eat it for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. <laughs> mm, right, right, right. So so before that might have been breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I, I really heard what you said when, when you said, food is my fuel. 
Mm -hmm. Like this is the thing you're eating because it helps you fulfill the greater purpose of Mm -hmm. having a career and a life that you really like. So, you know, I think what Siobhan is saying here is something we talk about a lot on Messy and Magnificent, which is that your physical needs are not separate from your career. You are one whole being. And that when you started to meet your physical needs, you had more energy for everything else. So you've made some big changes to your career. You're now a travel nurse. So you went from being a stationary, a traditional nurse um, in the same place for more than a decade. And now you're, you're traveling all over the world. You're at all these different hospitals. What's been your experience now at all these different hospitals in terms of what does the level of care for the medical staff look like as you go to these different places? The biggest thing would be is that I stand out. And by that, I mean, I take care of myself. My energy is different and people notice that. And And how is it different? Yeah. What's different about your energy? I guess I'm glowing. (laughs) Wait, hold up. Do you guess you're glowing or are you glowing? (laughs) I'm I'm glowing. (laughs) So does anybody ever reflect that back to you? What do people say? How do you know that they're noticing? They say, you always have a smile. There's just something about you. Like, what are you doing? Mm. And I get that question a lot from the other nurses that they're noticing. Like, something is different about me than the typical nurse because the typical nurse, they don't have joy. And they're being beaten down at work. And then here I come in and... I'm taking care of myself on my days off. I'm taking care of myself while I'm at work. I'm getting a bathroom break. I'm taking my break. Even when it's busy, I go and take my break. And the other nurses are noticing that because Mm -hmm. that's not typical, which is not good because it should be typical for a nurse to be able to take their lunch break, but it's not. Yeah. So, okay. So now we've got to bring up something really timely. Because this was challenging for nurses or other medical staff before. Getting your basic needs met before was really challenging. And now here we are in a time of C-19, right? And this is a whole nother ballgame. So just out of curiosity, is there a presence of C-19 in the hospital you're at? What does it look like where you are? Yeah, they turned our floor into the, the coronavirus floor. So that's, that's where I'm working now. So you are working on a coronavirus floor right now. So you're right in the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And what is the care for you and for your other coworkers? What does that look like right now? Well, it is very, very hard. We're um, running out of masks and gowns and it's getting harder and harder to work um, because, you know, you need that stuff to work. And now we're relying on donations from the community to come in because we don't have enough and I don't know when we're going to, they haven't told us when we're going to get, you know, another shipment or anything, but right now we are running low and it's, it's scary. I'm not going to lie. It's scary. Yeah. What about it in particular is scary? Well, these masks were designed to be a one-time use. That's what we learned in nursing school. When we first started um, the coronavirus, our hospital did tell us that, you know, if we have a coronavirus patient, we don't reuse the mask, we throw them away and we get a new mask. But now since the um, shortage is low, we only get one mask for the whole shift. And I'm not used to having to take it off and save it. So it's unnerving to know that 
I might not be protected and I might catch it. And it's scary. And the hospital, while they're doing their best, you know, with what they have, it's still unnerving to have my life not matter to them. I mean, I guess I could say that. Yeah. Like it's permission to say how you, to talk about how you actually feel, right? Yeah. Because I'm noticing a theme here. So, you know, it, it felt like the well-being of the nurses where you were years ago wasn't of top priority, that it was patient first, nurse mm-hmm. second or third or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was already an existing premise of the, the medical systems that you were in. And so now we're in a time where there's an extra layer on top of that. So you as a, as a nurse were aware that this was a thing that was going on within the medical community already. Mm-hmm. And I think the world is becoming clearer that our medical, you know, and our frontline providers in general, you know, the, the folks in the frontline don't have the gear or the resources that they need to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that messaging feel like? Just speaking for yourself, you're not speaking for all nurses or all medical staff here, but just for yourself, mm-hmm. what does that messaging feel like to you when you are being asked to put yourself in um, a position that could be dangerous in order to take care of a patient? Yeah, it, it feels horrible. Like every meeting at work now, I have this pit in my stomach and I have this thought like, well, how are they going to put my life in more danger now? And that's not how I want to feel when I go to work. Like I'm, I'm there to take care of the patients and help out, but I'm also there for myself too. And it's... <laughs> Well, that's a wild concept, right? That like that you could be working to be of service to others and to yourself at the same time. And I think that that's something that we as women have never been taught before. We have been taught to give everything we have to everybody else right out of the gate, even if it's at our own expense, right? Like service is the thing that we are meant to do. What's particularly dangerous about that for good-hearted people is that being of service is what we genuinely want to do. Like it is what you want to do. You want to be able to help as many people as possible. So if we take this notion that we need to be of service and we match it up with the belief that you are not worthy of doing well, That's like a combination that really puts ourselves at risk, right? That really puts ourselves in a a tricky situation on a normal day. And so here Mm -hmm. you are during unnormal times having to navigate this. So what's keeping you there? Why are you there? Good question. (laughs) I think for me, I do like being a nurse. I do. But I know right now that I am being called in a different direction and it's hard to give up nursing because I've been a nurse for over 15 years and this is, you know, what I know. And I think what's keeping me there is this, this fear that of the un- unknown, like if I jump out of this window, like <laughs> into this new other career, what am I going to do? <laughs> Oh, thank you for bringing this forward because, okay, this is really powerful, Siobhan. Thank you because we've talked about one story of your rising up, right? You're overcoming Mm -hmm. some of your health things and having a lot more energy. And I know you haven't been on a diet in many years, like Mm -hmm. all the, you know, all these great things. And so there's the story of overbecoming. You shared a little before and after with us, right? Mm -hmm. But what you're talking to right now is the beginning of something new. And what it actually looks like. 
right? And I don't think we always get to have these types of conversations. It's not the before and after because the after hasn't arrived yet. It's the before. You're at the precipice of change, right? And I hold with so much tenderness this this awareness you have of I want to make a change, but it's also scary at the same time. Yeah. I want to make a change. It's also scary at the same time. Can you fill in the sentence for me? It's Mm -hmm. scary because... Because this is a time where, you know, coronavirus is here and they need nurses. Do I abandon ship right now when they need me? And will this next, you know, step be the right step in this moment in time when, you know, they need nurses, but I'm being called somewhere else. And it's like I'm in this middle place, like being pulled in two different directions. You know, they need me here, but yet they also need me in this other section. Mm, What are those two sections? So one is clearly they need me here as a nurse in the hospital setting. What's the other? What's Mm -hmm. the other one? Where's the other? Where's the other place you're feeling called towards? I think I'm called right now to help women with alopecia and then also to help nurses take care of themselves. This has been called the year of the nurse by an organization. I forgot the organization, but I want nurses to see that they are human too. They deserve to be cared for and they deserve to be taken care of. And you have to put yourself first before the patient so that you can be a healthy nurse. A dead nurse takes care of no patients. A quarantine nurse can take care of no patients and a healthy nurse can take care of patients. So I want the nurse to be healthy and to look in themselves as human and worthy of being taken care of. Because we're not robots. Like, like that's just it. We're not machines. We are human beings who are being put in some really tricky circumstances. And I think what you're talking about here is a, a practice, frankly, in sustainability. Yeah. Right? So if we want to sustain a career, you've gone through all the work of becoming a nurse, you get all this mm-hmm. experience on the field, and mm-hmm. that's really valuable experience. It's hard won to become good at the, at the art of nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you've been there for as long as you had and, you, and you've picked up all these things, the question is then how do we sustain it? Mm-hmm. Right? And so I love that you're thinking about, you're just beginning to hatch an idea here of what could I share you know, mm-hmm. with other nurses that could allow them to be healthy enough to continue showing up for the work that they care about. Is it, is it an all in or all out situation? I don't think it is. I think I was trying to make it into that, Mm. (laughs) but I can still do nursing and still do the life coaching too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I can do both. (laughs) Well, that's a fascinating discovery, right? Because I think a lot of us, especially as driven folks, the discomfort of the unknown can cause us to make a decision to not be in the unknown. And most of us make better decisions when we've had time to process it. So whenever possible, you know, to to take a beat and to process and, and that frankly, in a culture that wants quick results all the time, it takes an act of courage. You know, we, we always call it in my practice, we say daring to pause. You have to dare to pause because it's really not, it's not what we've all been taught necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so here you are just like right here live in this moment. Thank you having an awareness of, oh, I don't actually today have to be all in or all out. I don't have to suddenly leave my career overnight, but I could begin to think about what makes sense for me moving forward. Just out of curiosity, what is one thing that you know makes sense for you moving forward? Always 
put myself first, take care of myself, because without that, I have nothing. <laughs> like, I can't take care of anybody if I'm sick or I'm not taking care of myself. So I have to put myself first, take care of myself, even if that means saying no to something. Mm. <laughs> Even if that means saying no to something, putting myself first. Thank you, mm-hmm. Siobhan. Because what I appreciate about what you're sharing is that it is the opposite of selfish. Because mm-hmm. your, your intention here is to be of service to people for the long haul. And yeah. so the putting yourself first is not the end of the sentence, right? It's I'm putting myself first so I can continue to be of service for the long haul. And I think that that is an act of courage. Mm-hmm. What's the old phrase? There's that old cliche, like a a young man dies for a cause and a, and a wise man lives for a cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just so appreciate that your wisdom here and your, your willingness to do the courageous thing and figure out how mm-hmm. to do well while you take care of others. Like what that could look like. Thank you for that. Mm. So we have a little tradition around here. I love to do our messy and magnificent two-way Q&A. And this is going to be an opportunity for me to ask you a couple rapid fire fun questions, Siobhan. And also an opportunity, because it's two ways, for us to pose a question for those who are listening in right now. Um, You feeling up for it? You feel ready? I am. (laughs) All right, here we go. Question number one. What is one thing that felt like a mistake at the time, but you're now really thankful that it happened? (laughs) I think the one thing I'm thinking of right now is the first time I made a smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened there? (laughs) I didn't freeze the um, vegetables. I thought I could just, you know, put them in and it would be okay. Oh my God, it came out so horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, is this it? Oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I can't do this. What's what's next? Like, oh my gosh. And so the next day I froze the vegetables and did the smoothie and it was great. It worked out and I was like, okay. So I stuck with it and I'm so glad that I did because now I love my smoothies. But if I had just, you know, <laughs> dwelled on the first time that I made it, I would not have stuck with it. <laughs> I, so, I so appreciate this because you you have a, this way of taking these seemingly mundane things and finding the meaning in them, right? So it's like I could have quit after that first smoothie, um, but it was an opportunity for me to try again. And it actually ended up working out, but like yeah. trying again. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's one thing that you're good at that other people might not know about you? I am good at asking for, for signs from the universe and using my dreams to guide myself, I guess I should say. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> asking for signs from the universe. Can you give me an example of that? Yeah. What's, a, what's an example of a sign from the universe? Oh, yes. So um, I think recent, well, the biggest sign recently that I had was my hair falling out. <laughs> okay. So that's a stop the presses moment. That's a like, okay, what's going on here? So yes. what was that about? Oh my gosh. So I was taking care of myself. I didn't feel any symptoms except for this huge bald spot that my hairdresser um, found and I went to the doctor and turns out my vitamin D and iron levels were very low. 
And I wouldn't have known had my body not had that, you know, that response. Like I would not have known. I used that as a sign and I asked the universe, you know, what do you want me to do with this? And the alopecia empress was born. <laughs> okay, so hold on. What is an alopecia empress? I'm interested. What is an alopecia empress? First of all, what is alopecia for anybody listening who might not know? Alopecia is multiple diseases that cause your hair to fall out. It can also cause thinning hair, but the typical symptom is, you know, your hair falls out. An alopecia empress that um, I came up with that is a woman that loves herself, even if she doesn't have her biological hair. She um, still goes out into the world. She still shows up for herself. She still takes care of herself and she, she loves herself. I am so glad I asked that question. I'm going to make sure we put a link to the Alopecia Empress website, your website. So anybody who's interested in, in knowing more about what that could look like, about learning how to love yourself. And if your body's speaking up to you in the form of alopecia or anything else, mm-hmm. what you can do with that. Mm, so good. Yeah. So here's the part of the two-way part of the Q&A. What's a question you would love to ask the women listening? What would you love to know about them? I would love to hear their stories of how they overcame something in their life. Like, I love to hear those stories. I had this one patient that was 100 years old. She was telling me about her time during, I think it was World War II, where the men went to fight the war and she became a welder. And I was, I love stories like that. They say that we admire in other people our, what's also our best qualities. And you are that person, Siobhan. You are also that one. So, hey, give Siobhan a little dose of inspiration. Head on over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and type in a story in the review. We want to hear your stories of of overcoming. Now is a great moment in time for Mm -hmm. us to be inspiring each other. And of course, this leads perfectly. You had no idea. But into the next question here, which is like right now, where do you go for inspiration or a dose of courage when you need your, to have your spirit bolstered? What do you do? Well, I have a talk with you because you're my <laughs> coach. <laughs> so that always helps. <laughs> I didn't ask her to say that. That was, not, that was not scripted. But what else? What else inspires you or gives you a dose of courage when you need it? Um, I go well watching. That is, oh my, I, I love seeing wells and the dolphins just playing because it's not scripted. Like if you see something on a whale watching tour, it was meant to be like, <laughs> and seeing the dolphins play reminds me to play. And when it's time for them to eat, they eat. And it just reminds me to eat and play. <laughs> oh, there we go. I love that. Okay. So my last question for you today, even if others don't necessarily agree. What do you know to be true? I am a whole being. I'm not just a nurse. I'm not just a daughter. I'm a whole being and I love myself. And because I love myself, I'm going to take care of myself because that in turn helps me to take care of other people. Well, there you go, folks. Part of what I appreciate about Siobhan is how straightforward and doable she makes things. So she just finished putting up the finishing touches on her new website, alopeciaempress.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case you want to talk with her about finding a way to take care of yourself while you navigate being the caretaker for others, whether that's 
recent because of C-19, or maybe you've been caretaking for a long time and you genuinely want to. You just want to make sure that you have the energy and the stamina to stick with it. Now, I want to hear from you. If you only remember one thing that you heard in this episode, can you post that in a review on iTunes or in social media and tag me in it? I want to hear what stands out. What did you hear Siobhan say or what is something that bubbled up within you about what your own care could look like? Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep prioritizing what you value, including yourself, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.